Thanks for listening to this week's message. We want to hear what God is doing in your life through the ministry of Res Life Holland. If you have a testimony, please email us at info at To learn more about us or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on Facebook or visit rlcholland.com. Uh, today, I'm just going to jump in. I want to talk to you under the title of It Is Never Too Late to Be Great. Never too late to be great. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, whoever among you wants to be great. Now, Jesus didn't say you shouldn't want to be great. In fact, he encouraged them to be great. And he says, and if you want to be great, he said, this is what you do. He said, you need to be the servant of all. And, and he goes on and he said, now look, the Gentiles, when, when somebody is in authority there, he said, they use that authority to exercise dominion, right? But in 2 Corinthians 10, 8, Paul said, the authority the Lord has given me to build you up, to build you up, and not to tear you down. One translation says, not for your destruction, not to keep you in your place, right? So Jesus is saying, I want you to be great, but what makes you great is not who serves you, but how many people you serve, how many people you're helping, you're lifting, you're encouraging, you're praying for, you're adding value to. Now, a lot of people really do believe that greatness is just kind of like it's inherited. But let me just say this. You can be born high and live low. Or you can be born low and you can live high. Right? Your, your greatness is not determined by your pedigree. It is not determined by your parents. It is definitely not determined by your income, or by your wealth. If that was true, all the mafia people, they'd be great. <laughs> right? But they're not great. The cartels, they're not great. How many know that? They're not great. Right? They're, they're, they're the exact opposite. All right? there, there are people, they literally, they think that their net worth and their self-worth are somehow connected. Right? But nothing could be farther from the truth. What makes us great? It's when we're serving. It's when we're laying down our life. It's when we're helping, when we're praying for others, encouraging others, adding value to them. In fact, I was reading a book this week, and this story was in the book. It's about two men, right? This was actually a news report a few years ago, right? Michael Weiser and Larry Trapp. They were very unlikely guys because they were so different. Michael noticed families from a variety of ethnic backgrounds moving into the suburbs of Lincoln, Nebraska. He decided to create a welcome basket and give it to each new family so that they would feel welcome. Right? Uh, Michael knew that outsiders coming in could feel a little bit intimidated. Right? Simultaneously, Larry, right, who is the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, is breathing threats to every minority family that moves into the area. In fact, he threatened them. He said, if you do not move within the next month, I'll destroy your property. He was bitter. He was violent, he had diabetes, was confined to a wheelchair. And can you imagine the paradox of emotions that the new families are having? One's walking in them, the other one is threatening them. So Larry hears about Michael, what he's doing, all right? That he's calling and he's threatening everybody. So he leaves him a voicemail, right? And, and he, sa he says to him, excuse me, so, so Larry, the bad guy, the Ku Klux Klan guy, he threatens Michael. All right? He says, you need to stop welcoming these people into town. So Michael decides to build a bridge to Larry, the Ku Klux Klan guy. He calls him up. 
And he says, I've, I've found out that you, you're in a wheelchair. He said, uh, you can't even drive. He said, I would be happy to swing over and pick you up so you can run errands. If you need to get groceries, you need dry cleaning, post office, whatever it is, you just let me know. All right? So Larry, he didn't know what to say. All right? Here's this stranger who he doesn't even know. He was asking to, if he could help him, and he's actually been threatening this guy. Eventually, the two connect. All right? Michael, he takes and he hoists that paraplegic in his van. He's running errands for him week after week after week, and the two become friends. And ultimately, Larry, the Ku Klux Klan guy, right? Remember, he is the grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, all right? He, he renounces his involvement in the Ku Klux Klan, all right? The two make amends. And literally, the entire community is changed. And, and by the way, uh, from everything I've been able to find, uh, the Ku Klux Klan guy becomes a Christian. He becomes a Christian because the Christian is reaching out to him. What was he doing? He was serving. You know, that's what makes us great. It's laying down our life. Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life. Right? That's what makes somebody great. It's not inherited. It doesn't have to do with your in income. And it's definitely not related to talent. You know, the world celebrates talent and thinks that talent makes you great. Right? You're good at doing something, whether it's carrying a football across the finish line or whatever that thing is. But what makes us great is not what we do, but who we are. It's not a talent. It's character that makes us great. It's interesting in the book of Titus where it talks about people who want to be leaders in the church. All right? I believe there's 13 things that are mentioned. One has to do with ability. Every other one has to do with character. It says able to teach. That's ability. Everything else has to do with your character. It was in February of 2010 when lots of golf fans were shocked when the golf legend Tiger Woods, who everybody thought was living a squeaky, clean life, his reputation fell apart, right? He was forced to confess to having multiple affairs. Uh, turned out that the, the person that so many people were idolizing, uh, he was committing adultery, living a playboy's life. Many of us watched on television as he held a press conference and he acknowledged that he'd done wrong. In fact, he said, I've left the values that I was taught. Now listen, whenever your influence becomes greater than your character, there's always an implosion. There's an implosion, right? His influence was so great, but his character was not there to sustain that influence. What makes us great is not talent, right? It's character, right? And greatness definitely doesn't have to do with popularity. You know, there's people with millions of followers on Facebook, but yet their family hates them. They've got addictions. They're fighting all sorts of problems. That's not greatness. And greatness is never cheap, right? It'll always cost you time, energy, sacrifice, uh, laying down your life, breaking away from the norms and expectations that other people have. And greatness is never immediate, right? How many of you heard they're an overnight success? It always took 20 years. You know, people just notice finally, but it took time to be great. I think it's interesting that it says about David. Now, this is years yet after he killed Goliath. It says that he became greater and greater. He became. He became. It wasn't something that happened instantly. He did one thing and he was great. 
No, 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 no. It was over time as he kept on doing the right thing, serving, laying down his life. He became great. It says about Abraham, it says that when he was old and well advanced in years, the Lord had blessed him in all things. So let me real quickly give you a few principles to greatness. I want you to remember this before we, I give you some principles. Right. Psalms 139, verse 16. David says, your eyes saw my unformed body. He said, in my mother's womb. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Right. So D David is saying, you saw my unformed body in my mother's womb. He said, and in your book, all the days ordained for me were written. Now listen, in God's book, nobody, listen, nobody lives an addicted life for 10 years. In God's book, nobody lives a life without purpose. In fact, in God's book, God's plan for every life here, there's greatness for every single life. But the deal is this, we can follow God's plan, or we can follow our own plan, or we can follow the devil's plan. But there, in God's plan for your life, there is greatness. There is greatness. All right? So we've got to decide what plan we're going to follow. Number one, all right, get on track, don't look back. Simple. You just need to get on track. You say, my life's a mess. That's all right. You can get on track today. You can get on track today. And when you get on track, don't look back. I mean, you know, Peter denied the Lord. That was a big deal. He not just only denied the Lord, he's cussing. I don't even know him. I mean, he's saying like four-letter words, not like help, love. I mean, he's saying other stuff, all right? He got, he's off track, you know what? But he got back on track. He got back on track, didn't look back. You may not know the story. It's in the book of Acts about John Mark. He, Paul, Barnabas go on a missionary trip. It gets rough. I mean, you know, being missionary, it ain't always fun, right? I mean, they're getting persecuted. He's like, I can't take it. He runs home to mama. All right? Later, they're going to take another trip. He wants to come along. And Paul's like, we ain't taking that mama's girl along with us. Ain't no way. No. He leaves him. And Barnabas picks him up, tries to help him. Now, now here's the interesting thing. Later, this is what Paul writes. He said, send me John Mark because he's useful to me in the ministry. And you may not know this, but John Mark is the Mark that wrote the Gospel of John. Think about it. Yeah, did he blow it? He blew it. But you know what he did? He got on track. Didn't look back. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 3. He said, this one thing I do. And I believe this. If we could get Paul here, all right, and say, Paul, we want you to just tell us one principle that will help us. This is what Paul would say. He's got it right here. He said, I forget those things that are behind, and I'm reaching forward towards those things that are ahead. Right? Forget what's behind. Reach for what's ahead. See, you cannot grab hold of what God has for you in the future if you've got a handful of, of your past. If your hand's full of your past, you can't put something else in it. Paul's saying, so I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm reaching for those things that are ahead. Several years ago, at the close of the service, a guy came up, and he said, Pastor, I need your help. He said, my wife... She is divorcing me. So I said, what did you do? He said, nothing. And I thought, he's just clueless. 
He's like most of us guys. Now, you girls, you don't understand. We are not bad on purpose. We're just clueless. All right? So, so I, 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 I said, well, you must have done something. He said, I don't know. And, and his wife is standing off to the side. And, and, and he waves her over, and she comes, and I said, uh, is it true you're divorcing him? And she said, yes. And I said, why? She said, he's a man. <laughs> and I says, uh, you, like, you hate all men? She said, I hate you. <laughs> now, now <clears throat> this is my spiritual gift, all right? <laughs> I'm very discerning. And I figured, I think a man must have hurt her. <laughs> Brilliant. Spiritual gift. All right. So I said to her, does a man sometime hurt you? Nope. And I said, well, something must have happened because you hate men. Even men you don't know. Yeah, I hate them. Anybody do anything? Nope. No, I'm just, I keep pressing. You know, after a little bit, she's, well, it comes out as she's growing up, a relative had molested her for years, continually, until she finally ran away from home. And uh, she says, I, I hate men, and I hate him, and I hate you. And I said, I said if you're going to hold on to that hurt yesterday, I said, you will never, never grab hold of what God has for you. How many of you know when you're driving the car, if you keep looking at the rearview mirror, you're not going to get where you're going? Right? You're going to crash. And that's what a lot of people do in life. They keep looking in the rearview mirror and wonder why they never get anywhere. See, if your hand's full of yesterday, you cannot grab hold of today. So I said, look, you need to forgive. Jesus said, whenever you pray, forgive. She says, I can't. I said, look, you're lying or Jesus is lying. One of the two. And I'm going to stick with Jesus. You're, you're lying. You can do it. So I talked to her. Forgiveness is a decision. It's not a, an emotion. And finally, I said, would you, would you forgive with me? Would you pray? And she said, yes. You know. So I take her hands, you know, and I lead her in a prayer. Right? Now, I'm leading in this prayer to forgive the person that had hurt her. And, uh, you know, Jesus said to watch and pray, so I'm watching. All right? <laughs> she doesn't close her eyes. She's repeating stuff. She's just looking at me. All right? She repeats the prayer. We say amen. And she's walking away. And this, I, this is what I thought. I thought, if looks could kill, I would be dead. And if there is ever a prayer that I prayed that did not work, that was it. That did not take. All right? That's what I'm thinking. Okay? So about six, seven weeks later, I'm preaching. All right? And over in that group of, of pews back there, we have pews. All right? About five rows back, I notice there they sit. She has got her arm around him. And I thought, that's good. I keep preaching. I look back. She is giving him a kiss on the cheek in service. And I thought, get a room. Get a room. <laughs> and here was her story. She says, you know what? She said, when I forgave, I saw my husband different. I saw my sons different. I saw men different. Everything changed. When you let go of yesterday, you can grab hold of what God has for you today. Now, number two, when you get hit, don't quit. When you get hit, don't quit. Now listen, everybody gets hit. Everybody. The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength or your faith is small. 
So listen, every one of us, we are going to have days of adversity. Somebody says, you should be more positive in your preaching. Okay. I'm positive you are going to have days of adversity. All right? It's going to happen. All right? Jesus, Matthew 7, he said, you listen to his word, you do his word. There's going to be floods, there's going to be storms, there's going to be winds that are going to beat against the house of your life. It's going to happen to everybody. All right? But when you get hit, you don't quit. The Bible says the righteous man may fall seven times, but rises again. Right? And the number seven there doesn't mean count them out. It's literally, it's the number of perfection. It's just saying, as many times as you get knocked down, get back up. In fact, the righteous thing to do when you get knocked down is get back up. The unrighteous thing to do is to say, oh, poor me. Look what happened. Life is bad. Life is bad. It sucks to be me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat worms. <laughs> That's the unrighteous thing to do. Get depressed and stay there. All right? I want you to listen to the story. All right? True story. This young man was abused by his father when he was young. At the age of nine, his mother died. When he was 16 years old, his sister died. Uh, at the age of 22, he had started a business, and the business failed. He thought he would uh, get involved in local politics, and at age 23, he tried and failed. Tried in business again at 24 and failed. Actually had a, a position in the uh, legislature at age of 25. His sweetheart died when he was 26. He ends up, he goes through a total nervous breakdown. And his friends have to have a 24-hour suicide watch on him. They've got somebody with him 24 hours a day because they knew he was going to try to commit suicide. Right. At age 29, he tries to get involved in politics again, defeated. Tried again at 34, defeated. Tried again at 31, defeated. <laughs> Tried again at 39 and was defeated. Tried at 46 and was defeated. Tried at 47 and was defeated. Tried at 49 and was defeated. Was elected president of the United States at age 51. Abraham Lincoln. Think about it. You look at his life, and he just had defeat after problem after defeat after problem. You know what he kept on doing? Kept getting back up. And when our nation was in its darkest hour, all right, and, and the North was getting their, their, their hind end handed to them constantly, all right, by the South, he just kept on saying, well, we're going to win. We're going to find somebody else. He fired one general, put another one in. That one didn't work out. Fired that one, put another one in. He just kept on saying, we are going to find a way, and we are going to keep the nation together, and we're going to break the hold of slavery on our nation. All right? Why was he the, why was he the right guy? Because he'd fallen more than seven times, and he kept on getting back up. All right? And every great person, that's what happened. David fell. Bathsheba fell. That didn't mean they had to stay down. I think it's terrible. Thousands of years, 3,000 years after David and Bathsheba have an affair, when, when Hollywood does a movie, you know what it's called, don't you? David and Bathsheba, right? David and Bathsheba. But listen, their son Solomon said this. He said, he said, my son, keep your father's commandment. Don't forsake the law of your mother. And he goes on and talks about what his mother and father taught him. Listen, to keep you from the evil woman. From the flattering tongue of the seductress. Don't lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by the means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and the adulteress will prey on the precious life. And he goes on, and he, te listen, 
Solomon has been teaching for 3,000 years people how to live a godly, moral life. And he was taught by David and Bathsheba. Now, when you think of Bathsheba, you might not think about somebody with a ministry in teaching how to live a moral life. But listen, God will take your mess and make it your message. He'll take the test that you're going through today and it will become your testimony. All right? And, and just, just realize, just because you not got knocked down, that doesn't mean anything. Hey, just get back up. Keep on going. Number three, refuse to run when you're under the gun. All right? Now, I've said it. Adversity, what it really does is it brings out the best in us. You know, the, what brought out the best in David was the fact that there was a giant that needed to be taken out. That brought out the, the challenge that was there brought out the best. And I think we all know this. You can't have a great victory without a great battle. It can't be great as a victory without a great battle. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Forget that. You, you, every temptation you face, the Bible says it's common. You think you have VIP temptations? You think, man, nobody's ever been tempted like me. Nobody's ever thought what I thought. Nobody's ever had the pressure. Nobody's ever been pulled towards something. Nobody's ever had the desires that I've had. But it's a lie. All right? It is a lie. No temptation has ever come your way except such as is common. In other words, within 10 miles of this place right now, there's 10,000 people that have thought everything that you've thought. Right? that have had every desire that you've ever had, right? that have been pulled towards wrong the same way you've been pulled. Right? Your temptations are not VIP. They are common. Right? In fact, the truth is this. This is what I know. I've been in ministry for 43 years. Right? This is what I know. The devil's got six tricks. That's it. Right? He's got six. Right? He comes to everybody with one of those six. All right? You think you're special? You're not. All right? There is no temptation that will overtake you, but such as is common. But God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to endure. In other words, the fact that the temptation shows up means God already looked and said, you've got what it takes to have victory over this temptation. That is good news. That's good news. Now, you know this. The devil tries to make what's bad look good. All right? That's what he does. Now, I'm going to teach you how Eskimos kill wolves. Right? This has nothing to do with people, but I'm just going to tell you about it. Right? Now, what they do is they take a very sharp knife, and they put blood on it, and then they freeze it. And they put blood on it again, and they freeze it. They put blood on it again, and they freeze it. And then they leave it outside with the blade up, and it freezes in place. The wolf comes along and smells that blood. And he comes over and he starts to lick the blood. Right? One layer, two layers, three layers, and they just go crazy about blood. And finally, they lick through the three layers, and they start licking with their tongue. And, and, then, and literally, they cut their own tongue, and they keep cutting it and cutting it, and the blood just flows. And they literally bleed to death licking that knife with their own blood. 
You say, why did you tell us that? It has nothing to do with you. I'm just telling you about other people. (laughs) What the devil wants to do with sin is he wants to put something in front of you that he knows you stay with this thing. It's going to cut you. It's going to bleed you. And ultimately, it will kill you. The thief does not come. The devil does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Number four. It's never too late to be great. What the devil tells you is the things that you have done, they disqualify you. I want you to listen carefully. This is Hebrews 4, verse 1. It says, the one thing we should fear is that anybody thinks they missed their chance. Can I say that again? The one thing we should fear is that anybody thinks they missed their chance. The devil tells you you're too old, right? The devil tells you you blew it. You made so many mistakes. You know, your purpose, God's greatness for you, it's past. No, the one thing we should fear is that you listen to the devil and think, I'm too old. I missed my chance. I did this. I did the next thing. Listen, God does not consult your past to determine your future. You see, you come to him and what he tries, he, he does immediately is try to hook you into that book where every day of your life, all right, is written and where God has greatness for your life. Well, think about this. Moses didn't even get started until he was 80. You think he was disqualified? No, no. All right. Think about this. Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken. All right. Well, well, Jeannie and I, we lived in Mexico for seven years. All right. And about every six months, we'd come up to the States, up to the border, to get new papers to go back into Mexico. And I would buy a 12-pack of Dr. Pepper. We would go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get the biggest bucket they had, 21 pieces. All right? And I would just drive down the road, Dr. Pepper, Kentucky Fried Chicken, till the bucket was gone. I mean, that stuff is so finger-licking good. It makes you want to lick your neighbor's fingers. All right? Now, listen. Listen, listen, listen. He didn't even get started till he was 65 years old. You, you, you think, man, you know, uh, you, you know, it's over. I missed it. No, no, no. It's not important how you start. It's important how you finish. Right? That's what's important. Right? You, you, you can get on track and not look back. And it is not too late for you to be great. Right? You can be great by serving, by giving of yourself, by encouraging, by lifting, you know, by praying for others. By adding value to others, you can be great, right? Now, let me just, let me close with this. To be great, you need to stay focused, right? Jesus was asked, what's the great thing? What's the greatest of the commandments? What's the purpose? What is it? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two laws... Hang all of the laws of the Bible and the prophets. He said, love God, love people. Right? Make the main thing the main thing. Right? And there are so many distractions that can, can get a hold of us and keep us from what is truly, truly important. Uh, the name Victor Hugo is a name that many of us know, wrote many famous stories, right? including Les Miserables, the hunchback of Notre Dame. He was brilliant, all right? But he was also very ADD, 
all right? He would get distracted by everything. In fact, it took him 17 years to finish Les Miserables, right? And here's what would happen. Instead of writing, he was walking through the street. He's talking to people. He's messing around in his garden. He's doing everything except that one thing that he should have been doing. So finally, one day, he said, he said to his servant, he said, no, when I go to bed tonight, he said, I want you to come in and take all my clothes. And you do not let me out of my room until I have worked 10 hours on my book. Short period of time, book's written. You know what he did? He put all his distraction aside. And when he put the distractions aside, he could focus. Right? Now, the book of Ecclesiastes says it like this. Listen, better is one handful with quietness than two handfuls with striving and chasing after the wind or reaching after the wind. Look, it, better is one handful with quietness than two handfuls with striving and chasing after the wind. Look, there are so many things you can do with your life, but not everything is important. And the Bible is saying you will have a better life. You will have a happy life. You'll have a life without stress and a life with purpose if you will focus on what really matters. Love God, love people. Jesus said it this way. He said, live to serve others. It's counterintuitive. You think you'll be happy when you serve yourself, but it's not true. It is not true. It's when you lay down your life, all right? That is when purpose and joy 